0: Mic on here good morning good morning 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 I have been uh, sharing <clears throat> on um, we the people and uh, was gonna conclude last week and um, I'm gonna go one more week on this so this will be part four and um it's a revisit to our Constitution which I have come to love and appreciate now that I'm older and wiser and um, taking a second look at that, the history of that, and um, this book by Eric, McT- Eric McTaxis has been just excellent um, and it's um, taken, the title is If You Can Keep It and, the, and that phrase is taken from a woman named Mrs. Powell who walked up to Benjamin Franklin and at, at the end of uh, the Constitution being written, and she approached him because of a great tension about it. It was a very intense moment. We kind of hear about these things, don't realize the context and the intensity, so we had declared our uh, Declaration of Independence, 1776. Great uh, celebration, we won, we're free. And then within 11 years, our little, confederation was in a lot of trouble, financial trouble, serious trouble. There there were great disputes between the colonies because boundaries were not set well. There was no exchange of currency now that the British had pulled out. Uh, They probably sailed away laughing under their breath. Just give them a little bit. They'll starve to death. They will find out what it's like to actually be on their own. The colonies knew that they were threatened by the Spanish in Florida that were uh, threatening to invade and come on in. Uh, The French were in Canada and coming up the Mississippi and had gotten here to Ohio and um, into this valley. And so there was a lot of real concern and they knew we've got to pull this thing together or we're going to be taken over. Were going to be invaded. Uh, it was a very attractive place to come and occupy, and so they came in desperation to become a nation, but they had a problem. They didn't want to become what they had just gotten free from. How do you do that without rewriting and recreating another, another thing that was bondage? It is so similar to our Light as a church and many, many others coming out of denominational churches for this sole purpose, not even so much to be against anybody, but to find what? Freedom. Freedom and expression of worship, to find Teaching that was more like the New Testament than some theology seminary that was dry and dead, and Jesus was gone, and the, like the skeleton was there. And uh, so we were looking for freedom. We were looking for liberty. We were looking for something that looked more like the New Testament church. And we weren't alone. And it was not an organized movement, it was a sovereign movement born out of the Jesus people getting saved, you know from Woodstock to Jesus people. And uh, it was sovereignly how the Lord moved, the charismatic move, and the Spirit begins to fall. And without organization, churches like ours began to spring up, no-name churches. And what did we do right out of the gate? We resisted anything stringent you know, we don't want to, We're not a church. We would say all kinds of things. We're not a church. We're not. We're definitely not a denomination. What are we created this? Now we are the the uh, the non denominational denomination. You know, it was like funny. It didn't take long. That pretty soon we're all identified. Oh, you're a non denominational, and it was a whole another group. So, how funny! And what you could experience, especially if you were unwillingly a leader in this, that all of a sudden you were faced with the same thing. How do we get some structure and order without becoming where we came from? And it didn't take long for stuff to show up in our churches that looked like where we came from. So wow, had to fight that, didn't we? And the the legalism that set in and trying trying to stay free, get free and then stay free. Stay free is kind of harder than getting free, I think. And so that first song we sang, I'm like, you know, many of us are a long way away from just coming to Jesus. Like, you know, our first day that, that was way back there. But man, has it been a fight to get to stay free? Has it been a fight to get off the condemnation? Has it been, I'm not, I'm not aware of my sins before Jesus. I was 12 years old. There wasn't much there. I, said bad words in the woods, or something like that, you know. Now there's, now there's real stuff to deal with, and especially the condemnation of feeling like you fail as a believer, and then add leadership to that. Then add that you don't like leadership, and you're in leadership. Lots of conflict. Like, we were like, wow, you know, raised by wolves, and then, you know, then we gathered together and raised ourselves. It was a, it was a mess, but somehow Jesus was in it, in it. He, and He found us, and he, he made us a people. And now we have this treasure, you know, uh, a, a gathering, what, what is an organic a church, a living organism, a family of people that come together that are joined to many, many families. We don't have to be exclusive. We're very open-hearted and minded, and we work hard at staying that way. Not to things that aren't aren't clearly scriptural, but, but to others that are different. And so, it's so good to go back, look at the Constitution, look at our history, look at what was going on there, to realize what we have. And there are many Christians in churches that are checking out. I was one of them. Checked out from anything that was government, anything that we titled political. And we, it was dirty, and we just st- stayed away from it, Okay. Donald Trump said the same thing, like, you know, you think you're ever going to run for president? I don't know. He said, it's a dirty business. It's like, it's nasty. <laughs> he was right. It is. And so the church also has, has stayed away uh, in a lot of ways, or at least I, I have. And then come to realize something's wrong with this picture. If we remove ourselves, then we leave it to corruption, And I began to learn in these last years, this last five, six years, really waking up to some things, that this entire, the Constitution was designed to rest on a virtuous, righteous people, not on unbelieving, ungodly. It was not designed for that. That's why when Franklin Graham responded to Mrs. Powell, he said, is she said is it a monarchy like we came out of or is it a republic he said it's a republic man ma'am if we can keep it if you can keep it if you can maintain it because it is a an idea the constitution united states of america is based on an idea it's not based on a people group that our eyes are all slanted the same way or they're color of our skin is all the same, or that we all came from the same valley in Kentucky. It's based on an idea, and that idea is encapsulated in this word, liberty, freedom and justice for all. We are so used to the words, when it was created, it was truly an experiment. It was truly unique And then you learn what it was really, really born out of. And I would think, how did our forefathers, how did they know to go after these things? And they had spent a lot of time looking at other governments and other leaders, things they had come from, their experiences, reading. They were very learned, educated people. And They studied. They learned. Like, yeah, this this is good, but it has that problem, and this is good, but it has that problem. So they they scrutinize and look for something that would maintain their freedom and create a place of order and something that could gather all of all of the, these groups, these colonies, who were originally based on covenant. That's how they prospered. But at some point, it became bigger than that. People began to come to our shores. Even people like we were growing. Exponentially, no advertisements. Why? Because the concept of liberty was here, this opportunity to practice religious freedom. That was why our forefathers came here in the first place. What were they looking for? They were looking for religious freedom. They didn't want the government overseeing their religious beliefs. They wanted to worship. They wanted the, the way they felt to express themselves and find, and so they were searching and looking. They come to our shores, and they create this, and they look at this, and they, they, they come up with this, this, the best that they could come up with, which is an amazing thing. And um, one of the things that Eric points out, he called the Golden Triangle... Of freedom, that is not in our history books. It's easily missed, and you can listen to my messages. I don't want to get too deep into this because I've covered this for the last three weeks. But there was this unspoken value, and as they, as they, le- and there are quotes from our leaders. Here were the three elements of the of the of, a, of the triangle, the golden tr- triangle of freedom. Number one, that freedom requires virtue. This was, the, this was in their thinking. This is what they believe, that freedom requires virtue. You cannot stay free if, you aren't, if there aren't virtues. And where do virtues come from? They come from, we don't come up with them on our own. And I want to point that out. Left to ourselves, a little bit of time on ourselves, and we're not very virtuous. So, freedom requires virtue. Virtue requires faith, that's the second leg of the triangle. It has to be some place that you get this from. and faith requires freedom. And so in this, uh, in this area of freedom, I'm going to go back and revisit this today to, to sum up because I'm like, I got to go after this issue. It was very important that faith was covered by by freedom that there was freedom of faith. They did not want another uh, nation, st- state, uh, church, state, or something that was that dictated how you believed or what you believed. It was very important to maintain that freedom, so they created our country, our constitution, so you didn't get thrown out or persecuted or prosecuted for believing differently. It was very important that it was free. This is complicated because you open the door to other stuff, don't you? We kind of like, even in our Christian mentality, we kind of like to, you know, left to ourselves, we want to box things off pretty good. Now, I'm not liberal in my thinking at all. I think that I should know what I believe, that here in our church we should know what we believe, be very, here here are the boundaries, here's what we believe, here's who we are. But as a nation, there needs to be liberty. I don't want to force or mandate anyone to be a Christian even, though I believe with all my heart it is the way to go, it's the way to, you know, it's the way to live, it's the way to find God. That is how I believe. But I don't want to force that. We want to maintain freedom, even as we as we build our church. We we build it on freedom and on liberty, so that we're not forcing or mandating things. That what we do, we do out of we value relationship, don't we? We value we value uh, uh, cultures that that uh, where we honor, love each other. That we we look at scripture. Here here are the things. When I started out in my denominational church. We were known by our haircuts. Over the ear, off the collar, no beards. Like I went to a Baptist college. Guess what, you know? It it was the funniest thing as I watched that in those years and I was contemplating the things of the Spirit and stepping out that you wouldn't been probably... Maybe you would have lasted one meeting, but after that you'd have been asked to leave. If you came in with sandals like I have on today, a beard... And man, don't let the hair touch the collar. Wow, there's a picture of Jesus on the back wall, long hair, robe, sandal. He'd have been thrown out by just how he dressed. Isn't that funny? That's what legalism does to us. We go, here's what a Christian looks like. You wear this kind of clothing. You you know do this. You don't do that. In India you cover the women cover up their arms cover up their legs but they can come to church with their belly showing. If someone a woman walked in with her belly showing here I might have to talk to them like um uh, you want to deal with that maybe yeah. Besides you're fat like you know. T- <laughs> it didn't matter. It was it was wild. We're like, wow, this is crazy. But it's what happens when, you, when it becomes how you dress, how you look, how you... And, and so this was very important. And uh, let me read something. Where did this concept then of the church then not having any, any legal right to influence anything, in our, especially the government in our nation, when actually when you get back to the history, you realize it was founded on our faith, it was founded on belief, it was founded on virtue... It was founded on these black and white issues rather than being an open, you know, you can be, you can do, you can whatever, whatever, you know, this open-ended thing. So through our, especially our lifetime, became taboo for the church. We kept getting pushed further, further, further out, further away. Be quiet. Shh, hush, don't do that. You're infringing on, some, infringing on someone's rights. And, and in time, we all became paranoid, even the church. Tell me it's not true. We did. You get funny, like, oh, wow. Do I speak up? Do I not speak up if I do? And then if we speak up and we're angry, then we're really double, like, that's not a good thing. (laughs) So how do we come to this place where we regain some things that have been lost, and you you look back at where did it come from? And this is significant. Since the pilgrims came came to our shores in 1620, religious freedom and religious tolerance have been the single most important principle of American life. It was really, really important. That's why people came here. Like, oh, we can be free. Let me read some highlights out of this section where he writes about this. In Danbury, Connecticut, a letter was written on the first day of 1802 to the Danbury Baptist Association by then-president Thomas Jefferson, he wrote a letter to, to, to um, clear up some things. It was not in the Constitution, it's not a law, it was a letter from a president. Just a letter. In it, Jefferson coins the phrase, wall of separation between church and state. But the phrase has since become so well known that today many believe it to be in the Constitution itself. It exists only in that letter to the Baptist Association of my, his hometown, the author or, or the person that's writing this. But it's become a shorthand way of talking about the establishment clause in the Constitution, expressing the idea that the national government, government cannot take sides with one church over another. This is an astonishing uh, notation or notion in the history of the world that a state should not be directly or officially aff- affiliated with a religious institution. So even though we might think in our little Christian worlds that that would be wonderful, it's not. I I don't want to be a part of a church nation, state nation, without Jesus being in charge. I'll maybe put it that way. That's the best way. This is scary because we cannot take five steps and we become legalistic, even on our best day. We want to not do it, but we do it. I had to fight this all the time up to this present day, to not take control of things, to not, to, to not cross certain lines. And I'm like, I can't do that. I have to watch over. This isn't not easy. It takes discipline. It takes prayer. It takes reevaluating all the time. Why would I say that? What am I doing? What am I really doing? And, and letting the Holy Spirit just deal with me and correct and, and guide me. So it goes on to say what Jefferson said in that letter, and what the founders said in the Constitution was not something new in America. Almost from the beginning, America had operated in a way different from the rest of the world. So they they appreciated this. And in 1663, the charter of Roger Williams' colony of Rhode Island said, "No person within the said the said colony at any time thereafter." Because there was a problem. They were gonna they were gonna uh, uh, deal with something. And so this came out in in a charter in Rhode Island no person within the said colony at any time thereafter shall be in any wise molested "'Punished, disquieted, or called in question "'for any differences in opinion in matters of religion "'and who do not actually disturb the civil peace "'of our said colony, but that all may from time to time "'and at all times hereafter freely and fully "'have and enjoy his or their own judgments "'and consciences in matters of religious concernments.'" The first was that the historian, Paul Johnson, has called the, um, the nature of religious America which was and is concerned with moral conduct rather than dogma. One sees the plainly, that this plainly almost everywhere one looks in colonial America, Johnson tells us, and then he quotes, American religious groups were judged not by their theology, but by the behavior of their adherents. They judge you by how you act. Are you peaceable? Are you, you know, do you have integrity? Are you honest? Like, that's, that's what they're looking for. What's coming out of your church? We're not worried about what it is. And so, this was about being very clear that the government couldn't overstep its boundaries to control the church. And likewise, the church should never control the government. But, it, but the real concern was we cannot, we will not make law, we won't even tolerate. Persecution of people over this, over their beliefs and their religious values. We won't persecute even if they don't fit in somebody's little box. We're going to maintain their freedom. You get to choose this, and as long as you are not um, affecting somebody else, as long as you're not disturbing the peace that was in a good way, you can have your little group that believes in whatever. There was a freedom. We have to, it's very important to maintain that freedom, that liberty. We have to watch sometimes when we're throwing a fit about certain things. Um, uh, Maria Brothers, years ago when she was still in college, when she was still Maria Lumberdose, he wrote a paper about this, and it was about prayer in schools and that issue. And we we want to go, like, champion this and make a big deal about it, but... Uh, We've got to be careful insisting on things. And it's like, yes, our children should have the freedom to pray. But no, no one should mandate that everybody prays or prays like we do or or anything else. So you, you've got to watch over this. It's not simple. It takes people with wisdom. And so we want to protect our rights and freedoms, and the Constitution gives us rights. It's wonderful to be under it. But it also prohibits us from... Inf- of of uh, projecting and putting our stuff on somebody else. And I don't want Christians that don't want to be Christians. Right? I don't want people in my church that don't want to believe in Jesus. Like, it's fine. You're free. I want you to be on the same page. I want you to be here because you feel called by him and know him, not because there's a mandate. Hey, make sure you go to that church. Make sure you go here. Thus, the very diversity of the sects con- constituted the national religious strength, since all operated within a, g- a broad common code of morals and their competition for souls and, uh, mirrored the competition of firms for businesses in the market uh, economy. Uh, yeah, in the market economy. In both cases, the role of the state was to hold the ring and make that competition fair. So, there. Again, just saying the government's job is to make sure there's a fair market and fair with even your beliefs, like you're not allowed to impose or persecute someone that doesn't believe in like you do. That's the government's role. That's where it stops. Make sure we, have, we keep our freedoms. Make sure that everyone keeps their freedoms. Religious freedom was very valuable. It still is to me. That is why the religious liberty was and is, the government essentially said, yes, be religious. We will not only tolerate it, we will respect it and we will encourage it, but we cannot take sides or put our thumbs on the scales. But the understanding of this has been lost to many in modern America. The founders wrote that the government cannot establish a religion. That's a good thing. I don't want them establishing a religion. I don't want them to even pick among the Christian religions, right? Because I freely choose to be who we are. We go after who, who we feel we are, what we feel, how we interpret Scripture. I don't want to be under somebody else's stuff about that. This meant that the government could never favor one religion over another. One of the main reasons the United States came into being was because people had left Europe where this establishment of religion was going on all the time and was manifestly monstrous and destructive to individual freedom. People's lives were ruined if they didn't choose the right religion. The founders knew that the country they were hoping to live in must be nothing like that. Everyone must be free to decide what religion he would choose. And the government would not choose any religion. It would be impartial toward all of them. And that's what I want the government to be. I want them to be impartial. I want them to be fair. I don't want them to lean to the left. I don't want them to lean to the right. I want them to to do their job and be, be where they're supposed to be. Protect our freedoms. That's what I want them to do. That's what all of us want them to do. This freedom of religion was sac- sacrosanct. I'm probably pronouncing that right. It was sacred. To sum up, the one thing that was necessary for self-government, and this is what we have. This is inconceivable, but we created a constitution that that is is based on self-government, liberty, self-government. To exist and function was religion. But religion itself could not properly function unless religion were detached from the government. Only when religion was truly free could it be true religion. And it it goes on to emphasize talk about this. So, the purpose and value of this is that you have... You need to be a voice. It's, it's good to speak. We, we, are, we are... Turn now with me to Matthew 5. Let's just go to Scriptures here. Matthew 5. And in... Um, Interesting, before I get to that verse, let me read something that Brian Simmons wrote in the notes um, in this Passion Translation. I was at the beginning of this chapter, and he writes this, and I reread it this morning. I'm like, so good. It should be noted that Matthew 5 through 7, commonly known as the Sermon on the Mount, is the Messianic Torah, And the constitution of the kingdom of heaven. So it's like the Torah. It's like our law. It's the constitution of heaven. I love that language. Like, yeah, Jesus begins with giving his followers a superior way to live than the Ten Commandments of Moses. So we know the words of Jesus, like, they don't decrease the law of Moses, the Ten Commandments. They actually make it more difficult. Before, you were off the hook if you didn't commit adultery. Now, you're not allowed to even look after another woman. Like, oh, what's up with that? See, it's stricter. Before, you could get away with hating somebody as long as you didn't kill them. Now, Jesus says, if you harbor anger in your heart and unforgiveness in your heart, you're in trouble. Of hellfire. Like, it was kind of like strong about it. Now, The issues of your heart are subject to judgment before you could get away with it. If you divorced your wife the right way, then you were okay. Jesus comes like, hey, guys, this absolutely stinks. What you're doing to these women and how you're dealing with this situation, and you think you're righteous in it, it's got to stop. That's why he nailed this thing. Man got tired of his wife, wanted to find a new one, he just gave her a... Certificate of divorce, didn't care what happened to her. She was left on her own, not like our women that are, career, are able to have a career for themselves and left, leave them in absolute poverty. So there were things and there were reasons why Jesus came out against this stuff. He was really upset at the religious leaders like Kate. I'm kind of burnt at you guys. He was very rough on the Sadducees and Pharisees, if you notice They're messing up his stuff. These are my people. These are my sheep. Ezekiel 34 I will be their shepherd. And you guys, you're fired. Like, you're not taking care of my people. You're just feeding yourselves. You're not taking care of my my little lambs. You're just taking care of yourself. Jesus begins with giving the followers a superior way to live, better than the Ten Commandments or above it. It is a superior version of all that God expects and provides for those who yield to him. Jesus gives us more than laws. He gives us promises of power to fulfill all that he asks of us. So there's a grace that comes. Reading through John 14 in the Passion Translation. Loving me empowers you to keep my words, to keep my commands. That's the new way. Grace is imparted. The emphasis is not on outward duty, but the inward transformation of our hearts by grace. God's kingdom is offered to those who will learn the ways of Christ and offer themselves to Him in full surrender. What does this do? This creates a wonderful America. That's what this does. When we show up, and every time, and on, and every day, and in every season, that you live in the light, and not the darkness that you're part of the solution and not the problem, that you function with integrity, that you stay married to your wife, that you raise your own children, that you do the simplest things. I'll hear women, you know, women say, I'm just a stay-at-home mother. I'm like, wow, what a calling. You mean you are actually kept your children? You're actually nurturing them every day at a great sacrifice, actually? Hard work. That's amazing. That's impressive. So I watch. No, leave it alone. Nope, can't go there. Stop. Sorry. It was good. It was true, but I can't do that. Every time you're just faithful to following Jesus, you're making a difference in your world. You may not think so in this world of social influencers. You are an influencer, and Jesus says, the one that you don't think anybody sees, I see. The one that does the least of these, that's my hero. The one that washes feet, I'm in heaven going. He doesn't care if there's an audience. He's like, oh, wow, look at that. That's amazing down there. What, 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 that? What what was that, Jesus? You don't know. That was amazing. I know the heart. Jesus said this, "'Your lives are like salt among the people, "'but if you, like salt, become bland, "'how can your saltiness be restored?' flavorless salt is good for nothing and will be thrown out and trampled by others and then second your lives light up the world let others see your light from a distance for how can you hide a city that stands on a hilltop and who would light a lamp and then hide it in an obscure place instead it's placed where everyone in the house can benefit from it so don't hide your light let it shine and this is the people that our Constitution of the United States is to rest upon. When we check out, when it doesn't rest on us and rest on this, corruption ens- ensues. A matter of fact, there's a lot of opportunity, as you can see in our present world, there's a lot of opportunity for corruption. In uh, triple multiplications, like it's horrible, and the more that gets exposed, we're like, oh, about the time you think you couldn't hear something more awful, you do. What is that? That's about unrighteous people finding loopholes and ways to take this Constitution or this this Amer- this America that we have, this nation that we have, take advantage of things. I mean, now one of the another so many letter word that you shouldn't say is, you know, lawyer or attorney, like, ah, you know, we have jokes about them. Why? Because instead of studying the constitution, it's just like pastors and leaders, same deal. Instead of studying the word, they're (laughs) they're studying other things and they find loopholes and they find ways to steal, to kill. We need to show up. We need to be present. We need to be present. In the smallest ways, when you show up in your community, when you show up wherever the road you live, do righteous things and don't be ashamed of it. When you are a good neighbor, the light grows. When you make choices that care about people and have integrity and please Jesus, you change the atmosphere. Of your whole road. Everyone matters. Everything matters. You don't have to just go do something that we consider grand to make a difference. If you'll do the most integrous things and bring the love of Jesus in the smallest places, you will be the light. You will shine the light. There's opportunity in every day and every moment to bring the light to make a difference, to smile, to, to bring peace, to function with integrity at the store or in exchanges or in 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 relate in in things that you interact with in this in this life and in this world. Turn with me to Colossians. Our forefathers depended on us showing up, so this great, that this great experiment they laid out and gave us the opportunity to live out would succeed. These kind of messages are inspired as I've watched patriots and different people truly lay down their life to, and, and, and the courage that they've taken to stand up against injustice, to speak the truth, to rescue the captives, to deliver truly. And I'm like, oh my gosh, they're shaming me. They have amazing courage. You haven't heard a testimony till you've heard the testimony of, of women, and I've heard uh, several now. These happen to be women. One was, one was a man caught up in being trafficked for 10, 11 years all over the world, and they boy, do they have stories to come out of that and not be bitter and be champions in rescuing others that are, that are captive. Now, that you go, whoa. I mean, you can tell that Jesus has, has visited them. How do you recover? We think of these things go, how do you recover from that? How could you possibly? It's a testimony of Jesus to see someone that was abused to that level, and they are not bitter. And a matter of fact, they are warriors now for justice. Married with children, I'm like, inconceivable. Jesus, you're the most amazing redeemer I know. Like, it's not just in my, you know, in the song list. You really are. This is incredible. There's hope for us. You can have incredible injustices done to you. Get rescued. Get free. Jesus truly sets you free. Now, I want to be in that business. I want to help those people. I want to make, I want to go after things that truly liberate people. And and deliver them from the depths. I don't want to be a light. Jesus, man, I'll tell you what, salt of the earth, light of the world. What's that sound like to you? Does that sound like church? Or does that sound like world? Like it says light of the world. Not hidden. He even goes this is interesting Jesus in this. He's like he even goes to the extent say not hidden, not behind walls. And my message last week, I've had a lot of comments about that and people uh, listening to it, where I go into this thing where John uh, Charles Whitcliffe, Whitecliffe, Whitcliffe, always George, George. I'm not even giving myself excuse. It just, yeah, I just can't get that name right. George Whitfield. How was that? Bang, yeah. George, Bob, Frank. What was the seedbed for our founders writing the Constitution? It was George Whitfield hitting America and preaching. Unceasingly through the colonies now i 'd heard his name, but I did not realize what he did and From the moment on his second visit that his feet hit the shores, he was like no celebrity we know of today, without advertisements, without sound systems, without mailings, he would preach to twenty and thirty thousand people at a time we don 't even know how that could happen, but Benjamin Franklin, being the kind of studious, kind of you know analytical guy he was, he's like he's studying this. He's like, "How's this happening?" He he does calculations and walks back from from uh, George Whitfield preaching. He's like and calculates distances and how many there's got to be twenty to thirty three thousand people here, like and his voice is carrying. He can he can speak to that many people standing on the steps. Speaking and doing services like this outside of the church was unheard of. And he was bringing, what was he preaching? He was preaching the simple gospel. Believe in Jesus. And he was speaking truth and light that even religious leaders were kicking him, didn't want him in their churches because he messed up their hierarchy as well. And he preached this message, you can come to Jesus directly. You can have a relationship with Jesus directly. And this is what Jesus said, come, don't love, you can't love anybody more than me. Or you're not worthy of me. What do we call? He was calling people to be truly free from all of that stuff. We need the same call. I referred to this back when when I was talking about following Jesus. We go, how? oh, Jesus, how do, you, how do you do that? Then you do hate some of those loved ones, and you go, am I qualified now? He's like, no, nope, no, nope, you missed it. That's not what I meant. <laughs> until you hate mother, brother, sister, you know, until you, it, it's like compared to how much that lo- you love me first, until you get to that point, you're not really an individual. You're not really free. You'll be under everything. The only thing worse than being under enemies is being under the people that you love. Sounds like an oxymoron, doesn't it? But in order to love, love has to be free. And when you're doing things for people you love out of obligation or resentment, it's bad. He wants our love to be, I'm doing this because I choose to love you. I I love Jesus first, honoring him, honoring you. George Whitfield preached that message for 30 years all over the colonies. People would rush, do anything they could to get to hear this message because it was the true gospel and it set them free. They were transformed and changed. No follow up program, no building, no stuff that we think we have to have, no sound system. What do you do without a sound system? power of the gospel, the power of that message, the true message, believe in Jesus. He will set you free. He will change you. He will bring liberty to your heart so that you're not in bondage to sin and you're not in bondage to people, that you're truly under him and he will make you free. And then you can love. Then you can walk like he walked. Don't check out on our nation. This calling to follow Jesus, it's not about whether we should be in government or not in government. It's about each of us finding what we're to do. And I, I made note of Michael Johnson got into as a, a township trustee. When he first told me he was going to run, I'm like, oh, Michael, you're too quiet. Like, you're too soft-spoken. Like, you've got to, no, none. and who even knows who you are? How are you going to, I mean, it's just my thoughts, you know, like, huh, oh, okay. But he was very diligent And he campaigned, and he met and talked to people in his quiet way. He's been an amazing asset to our township. There's real difference. And he didn't come in with anger, I'm going to fix this, and I'm mad at people, but he came in to make a difference. And it does make a difference. At every level that there are people of integrity in these positions, there's peace. There's no peace in our township for years and years and years and years. Always complaints. Always Bitter, like da-da-da. They did this, they did that. Now you don't hear that because things have changed. Like at every level, as the Lord leads you, step up to the plate. Where where are you called to? I'm called to be here. I have a little platform here of a place to be. I have to honor that, Stay, stay in my lane. There are things I do. There are things I can't do. Things that like that Jesus doesn't want, you know, like I have to, I have to find that place then maintain that. It takes work, but you all have to find your thing too. And don't think that a secular job is any less important than my job. Don't think that a position in the government is any less, you know, than, than what I do or anybody else does. Don't think that a position as a school teacher is any less. If that's where you're supposed to be, you better be there with all your heart if you're a car salesman, you better do it. I love buying my cars of a people I trust. That's a joy. Do you understand? Like, yeah. Don't you want to meet people that, you don't you want to have people that bring you a service, that have integrity, that do what they, that fix things that go wrong, that like, yeah, that's wonderful. Like, yeah, I can live with that. I'm blessed every time I encounter someone that has integrity and does, does what they do with all of their heart, and they, and they do it as unto the Lord. And if what you're doing you can't do unto the Lord, change. You're not a victim, then do something about it. Because you have a, resp- a heavenly responsibility and, it, and a responsibility to eternity because you will meet your Maker. And he will ask you what you did, and what you did with what he gave you. How'd you handle that? I prospered you. How'd you do that? How'd you handle that? I gave you this gift, or I gave you that gift, or I gave you that talent, or I gave you this talent. What did you do with it? Did you please me with it? Did Did you sow into eternity with it? Or did you squander it? We'll all give account. And that's a good thing. It's good. It keeps us like, wow, I became very, I wish this on every one of you to be very, very aware that the Lord's eyes are, are going to and fro across the earth and he sees what nobody else sees. I went through a season where I kept walking out of the store with things I didn't buy, accidentally. Get out to my car, and there's a box of tile on the bottom. I'm like, I know I didn't run them through. I know we forgot about them when I went through the checkout. Back in, it's like, I got to do this. Like, oh, you're such an honest person. No, (laughs) I just know the Lord's watching. (laughs) I will not prosper if I don't keep walking integrity to the best of my ability. It really gets irritating when what you have is less than a dollar, like, oh, I know, I screwed that in to see if it fit, I left it in, and they only charged me for one part of that plumbing piece, you know, it can't even cost a dollar, but I have to, I'd go back, I'd say, I know this is stupid, you know, I got home, I saw, I had this, just charge me for this, and then set it on your counter, because you already, you know, already bought it, or I had it something, you know, you just have to do, like, and they're like, huh, it's like, well, that's really good of you. No, I'm not good. I'm aware that the Lord's watching me, that it ma- what I do today matters for tomorrow. I want to be blessed tomorrow. I don't want to do anything to hinder the Lord watching over me, because if I, if I please Him, I'm good. I'm solid gold. <laughs> that's where my confidence is, that, that I'm aware He's watching what I do. It matters what I do. It matters how I do it. And it matters that I find my place. And I step into it. Let's believe in Jesus. Let's get totally free. Just because you did. Just because you have made a decision 25 years ago. If it's not alive and acting and living in you, then re-up your agreement. I don't know what else to tell you. But this isn't about just getting by. I don't want to just get into heaven. I want to walk through with celebration. I wanna, I wanna face him with, with joy in his eyes that I fulfilled my part. It won't, he'll be the first one to, to not ask me how many people are in my church. That won't be the question. How many people with you? You know, you know, like you hate that question. If you have a lot of people, then you're, you know, like, oh, you know, you you boast about that question. If you don't have that many people, you're like, everything's based on how we look and appear, isn't it? But face to face with Him, all that matters is that you're obedient. How about the missionary that goes somewhere? Doesn't not very fruitful at all. How many believers? Two in five years. Only Jesus would go, way to go. You went where I sent you to go, and you, you were faith, you're faithful to it to the end. He has a whole different perspective on everything. Stop evaluating yourself. Self. Father, I ask for liberty to fall on us, for condemnation to fall off of us, and that we continue to show up in life, that we bring the light, that we bring the joy, that we are a city set on a hill and that we sh- let our light shine before men. That we are the salt of the earth, that we are in situations and we are the peacemaker. That we are in awkward places and instead of complaining about it, we find a way to bring wisdom. That no matter where we are, at home or in the world or at church, that we find redemption. And when we see a problem, we set our hearts to see your answers come. We are the light of the world. We thank you for calling us to that. And you are the light that shines in us. We ask for that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless all of you. Show up. Show up in life.